0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sixers Sense Podcast. I am Lucas. I got Chris and Uriah here yet again. Guys, we are recording directly after the second game against the Wizards this week. How are we doing tonight, guys? Doing pretty good, y'all
1: I must like you guys a lot because I'm missing the uh, World Series right now.
0: Uh, yeah, you do. Also, you like the Sixers probably just a little bit more than the baseball.
1: Well, that's... Uh, really? World Series. It's the world. Look, I love hoops, but it's the World Series. You, you don't make it to this point, but maybe once a decade, if that. So,
0: L- look, my dude, I am not a baseball guy, so I am not the one to really care about that.
1: that. Oh yeah, we know, but we're here for mm. you guys. We're here for you guys. Uh-huh. So, all right, let's get into this. Uh, not the best outcome. Obviously, the Sixers lost to the Washington Wizards tonight, one twenty-one to one eleven. A few team stats. Listen, size matters in the NBA. You know, some people will say, oh, no, small ball, small ball. But listen, tonight we got killed on the boards. We got killed on the paint. I don't think I've ever seen a disparity like this. 68 points in the paint for Washington, 38 for the Sixers, who did not have Joel Embiid, and they were without DeAnthony Melton. Uh, if I look at the three-point shooting, that's the only thing that kept the Sixers uh, in this game and keeping it competitive, they made 19 of 36, 52%. And free throw percentage, they feasted from the line just because we had nobody that could stop their bigs. They went 26 for 32, 81%. Chris, uh, give us your takeaways from this game tonight.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, this is the kind of loss where i it really doesn't bother me a ton. It was a pretty hard fought game. Harden got hurt there in the second half. There were some bumps and bruises along the way. You're without Joel. You're missing your best bench player in Melton, who's out with a back injury. It's a pretty understandable loss. Obviously, this is the second straight game, and we'll talk about the other one where Porzingis kind of had his way with with Tucker and Harris and whoever was guarding him in the post. He's seven foot three. Tucker's six five six six, if that. So that's the kind of size advantage you're giving up when you when you go small, and you're going to have issues against certain teams. So. It, it's really not that embarrassing a loss or anything. Max, had a great game, 32 points, on very efficient shooting, pretty good Harden game when he was out there. I, I think we might be getting to the point where Harden's due for an off night. Embiid's had, had a couple here now for one reason or the other. Probably time to give James a night off at this point. Um, maybe Tyrese too, because he's racking up a lot of minutes, so he's obviously much younger than those two. But overall reasonably solid performance all around one of the better games we've seen out of daniel house george niang like the bench showed up they got performances from their stars and they, they just didn't quite get over the hump at the end mainly because washington has two pretty good stars of their own porzingis playing really well this year and bradley beal is obviously a threat in the united's out there so not a loss i'm super mad at it happens you're down to your best players you move on
0: Look, I, I could be, like, I could take your approach, but I'm I'm not going to do that, Chris. I, I am mad about it. And the reason is, and it goes back to Doc Rivers. Doc, you'd wait until, what, like, the fourth quarter to play B-Ball Paul when the game was kind of already, like, like the game wasn't over. But, like, the momentum was not looking good. Look, I get that you have a relationship with Montrose Hero. I get that the quote-unquote quote offensive fit with Harrell and Harden makes more is better. But Harrell's not that offensive player. He had one shot attempt, no points, and one rebound in 12 minutes and two fouls. Beatball ball Paul, six minutes, three shot attempts, only one foul, an assist, and a reba- two rebounds. So, Beatball ball Paul was a plus four. Trez was a minus nine. Doc Rivers, Get your head out of your butt and start actually playing B ball, Paul. Like seriously, like no, like I don't, And I'm not doing saying this because I care about the our bet. Screw that bet right now. Because I'm saying this for me. the betterment of the Sixers. Like they need to be, like, be playing B ball, Paul. He's like because like look, you're already small when you play uh, Tucker at the five as a starter. I get that. That's fine. That's good for spacing. That's good. Okay, Tucker can hold his own. Tucker also had five twenty eight minutes. Against guys like uh Porzingis, nah, that's not gonna work. Daniel Gafford's a physical backup center too. Like he would be starting on a handful of teams. So let's let's make something clear. The Sixers need size. And if you're not gonna go out and sign a free agent like Whiteside, who I think might not be a better player than Harrell, but at least fits the needs that the Sixers have much better than Harold
2: does right now. Like one hundred percent a better player.
0: Okay, yeah, no, okay. I was I wasn't sure if you were going to say that, Chris. But yeah, no, I, I mean, look, at this point, the way that Harold's been playing this season, yeah, for sure. So, Maury wave Harold, sign Whiteside. If you're not going to, if Doc Rivers isn't going to be playing B Paul Paul, then at least Whiteside would actually fill a lot of needs that you have in rebounding and rim protection. Granted, he gets to take advantage on the perimeter, but you already play drop defense with Joel, so it's not a big stretch to switch that over to the backup center either. So, yeah, that's that's the way I see it. Um, outside of that, maxi has fan, been fantastic. Like you say, Chris, 32 points this game. He had 28 points the last game, so he's in the two games without Joel uh, in this short little stint, 30-plus points per game on, uh, I think, 7 of 15 shooting combined from downtown. So, I Look, Max, fantastic. We know that he can be a star. Um, But we need to get the backup center position squared away immediately.
1: So the irony I want to share with you guys, I had an article come out today uh, for Philly Sports Network, and it Mm -hmm. was titled, No Embiid, No Problem. That did not age very well. (laughs)
0: No, it did not.
1: And, you know, the whole idea of small ball and the – The consistent play of Maxi and Harden. Harden did get a little knee bruise, and that I'm sure that made a lot of people nervous. But let's go to the small ball uh, question I have for you guys. And I don't remember what you guys feel about this particular uh, approach in the NBA or for the Sixers in general. Do Do you still like the small ball lineups after seeing what happened tonight? Do you Do you still think it can be effective? Like temp, like in certain situations, or do you think it could be something that they can implement more often?
2: Yeah. I I mean, small ball has for the most part always been semi situational. I mean, obviously you look at golden state and Houston, those were pretty rare examples of teams that could do it sustainably for long stretches. And golden state is never once really committed to like small ball full time until the playoffs, they, they normally start a regular center. So even golden state only breaks it out in, like, end of game situations and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I like it situationally. Like, we, we can sit here and talk about the loss tonight and the issues it posed with Porzinius, but they won the last two games without Joel using the same method. So, so it has worked in other games. It worked against Washington a couple nights ago, which we'll talk about. So it's not like there isn't some record of success as well. And, I, you know, obviously when Joel's healthy, you're playing him 35 minutes a night, so... You're only looking to fill 10, 13 minutes with other lineups. And depending on the matchup, there are going to be a lot of nights where P.J. is your best bet at center behind Joel. So it, it does depend on matchups, certain matchups. You know, if you're playing Denver, if you're playing Washington, other teams like that, maybe maybe you need b Paul out there. But it is. It's just a very lineup-dependent thing, I think. But yeah, I, I still think it works in certain settings. I, I think offensively there are no real issues that Sixers missed a lot of bunnies tonight, especially in the first half that are just going to fall in most other games. So they, they got a little bit unlucky in that sense. And there, there are trade-offs offensively and defensively, but I, I think it does work in certain situations.
0: I mean, absolutely. I remember the first time we went small ball this season with Tucker and it looked great. And yeah, you can definitely run it in stretches. It just depends matchup. Like you said, like, Porzingis wasn't aggressive in the paint in the last game. This game he was. There are certain players that you can't go small against. I would say Giannis is certainly one of them in the East, the Bucks in general. Um, but And the other thing, going back to Tucker, Tucker's not the young – I mean, he wasn't even young when he was in Houston, but he was still in his prime. He's 38, 37 years old now, so like I don't I don't think we can really rely on that on a semi-consistent basis either. That's a lot to ask a guy that age. So, I think it's situational, but I prefer to see B-Ball Paul out there the majority of the time. And of course, you know, I'm keep on going to keep on beating that white side drum.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. So we're going to go back to Halloween night where the Sixers played who else but the Wizards. But the outcome was very different. The Sixers won that game 118 to 111. This game was, I guess, more evenly matched than tonight. Three-point shooting was pretty much neck and neck. Matter of fact, the percentage was identical, 40%. Uh, If I look at the assists, the Sixers had more. I think James Harden had 17 of them dishing out Mm -hmm. dimes like, uh, uh, like confetti at a Phillies World Series parade, fingers crossed. Uh, (laughs) As far as blocks, there were a lot of, uh, actually not a lot of blocks, a lot of turnovers this game compared to tonight. And the largest lead for the Sixers was 18 points in this game. Wizards had a five-point lead at at one point. Let's just go ahead and focus on the starters for this game. Lucas, what would you think of, of the starters in that victory?
0: Look, this was a great showing for Tyrese Maxey and James Harden. We know the the uh, Wizards are known for their defense. Monte Morris is an average defender at best, probably below average. Bradley Beal's never been a defender. I think this was the game, if I remember correctly. Let me check the box score here. But I think, yeah, this was the game that Aviad went to the bench. He was their best perimeter defender, and they decided to start uh, Anthony Gill in their place. Gill's a good player. He's a good defender, but more of an interior guy. He's not really a switchable guy as far as I can tell. Um, so I, I think this was a really good game for those guys, you know, Tobias had a good game and Tucker at the center really worked, you know, 13 points. His, I think this was probably his best offensive game for the Sixers and Melton looked great too. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And and when it comes to lineups working and not working, like a, a big factor is Melton wasn't playing either tonight. So Go back to that game, Milton had 16 points, seven of ten shooting, two of four from three. He's a really good defender. Like he changes the calculus for those small goal groups. They're a lot better with him out there than Thibault, House, Niang, whoever. So that that's part of the equation too. Is they were just missing not just Joel, but also Milton, who helps a lot in a lot of ways. So yeah, I mean, it was a good win. Any win without Joel is a good win. They done it two out of three times now this season here in the early going maxi continues to look really good 28 points 12 22 from the field 17 dimes for james just just a phenomenal offensive player not a lot to complain about with these starters pretty much all five of them put together a good night all were very efficient not not much to complain about
1: so lucas what do you think of the bench how they do in that (laughs) win
0: I mean, Yang had another solid night, 4-7 from downtown. Harrell probably had one of his better offensive showings, three of six from the field, seven points. But outside of that, nobody else scored on the bench, so that wasn't great. Uh, No, I take that back. Daniel House had two free throws. But, like, the bench needed to give a little bit more here. Oh, Daibel had a point. My bad, Uriah. Um, Daibel had a point. But, yeah, the bench outside of Niang and a little bit of Harrell, like, did not look great in this game. But they played good defense, obviously, so that was nice.
2: Yeah. Um, Niang has been been on quite the hot streak these past few games. He's really coming into his own this season. Obviously, as long as he's hitting shots, he's going to be a very important part of the Sixers bench. House had a pretty solid game on the defensive end. Paul Reed was plus four in two minutes, (laughs) <laughs> um this is probably Harold's best game as a Sixer so far, so naturally he followed it up with quite one of his worst performances, so the skills are somewhat balanced in that sense. But yeah, I, I mean Theibel really hasn't put together a good game yet since coming back into the rotation, which is something to monitor, but seems like he's there to stay for now. And yeah, I mean, once Melton is back with the bench unit, Jarrell's healthy, the bench gets even stronger. So this is a shorthanded team getting a shorthanded win. So, again, just a lot of positives all around.
1: So before I, I uh, switch into a different topic, I'm going to throw a stat out there to you, and you might be really surprised. Someone, NBA Court Optics, official NBA.com site that mm-hmm. gives some metrics. And I'm looking right now at players who get – Double team the most per game. Uh, okay. Maxi's in the top 20. Really? But he is ahead of, get ready for this. Tyrese Maxi gets double teamed on average 14.3 times a game, more Ooh. than Kyrie Irving, huh. more than LeBron James, huh? more than Ja Morant. Makes sense. I'm of this actually kind of surprised to hear that. Makes sense of this. Like, why do you think, like, what's going on this season with Max that makes him so much of a threat?
0: Well, I mean, part of it has to be with the games that Joel's missed. Like, they're focused, honing in on him a lot more. But let's let's face the facts here. Like I said, the last two games, he's been averaging 30 points per game. Maxie on the season, I think, is averaging probably close to 24 at this point. Let me double-check that stat. But I think the league is finally recognizing that Maxi. Is a legit threat to score at any time. Twenty, uh, yeah, around twenty-three point. Uh, I loaded there for a second and then I
1: like disappeared again. 23, 23.3 points a game.
0: Okay, yeah. So he's he's a t- almost twenty-five. Twenty-three point per game score, guys. He's doing this with James Harden and Joel Embiid on his team,
1: yeah.
0: averaging twenty-three points. Now, granted, that was helped a little bit in the, for the, from the past two games, but like, did we think like? I mean, it'll go down to like 21, 22 points when Joel gets back, but still, like, you could make the argument here that if the Sixers want to have postseason success, and this is where I think is important here, Uriah, I'm starting, not necessarily saying exactly what you said earlier last year, but because me and you talked about this on the clubhouse before, but. I'm not opposed to not making Joel the center of the offense like center the main the only focal point of the offense. Now Chris, I know you're looking at me strange. Just follow me on this. I'm not saying that you don't take you take the ball completely out of Joel's hands. That's not what I'm saying. But maybe you could stop running so many isos for him. Have him run more pick and rolls, pick and pops. Clearly post-ups are not his most efficient game. You know you can you have two legitimate you know twenty at least twenty three point per game scores and James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. You can run you you can treat him more as a as like a, a a traditional big man. Not saying not to you know let him bake when he's you know cooking, but like I think in the playoffs you're going to have to play more through Tyrese and Harden anyway.
1: Wait, that's an, that's an original thing I just heard. You let him bake? He's baking cakes now? Joel Embiid? Oh, come on. No, I. You, you, he's baking and he's cooking. I, I see where you're going. Yeah, baking and cooking. I'm giving you credit. You got That's a little bit of bacon, a little bit of bacon. <laughs> Shake and bake, and sometimes you got to let him cook. Hey, Chris, uh, what do you think of that double-team stat from Maxi?
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Obviously, Maxie's a very talented player. and defenses, are starting to gear more attention towards him. Obviously, Joel is also missed three games out of eight and when Joel misses games Maxie's a pretty good bet to lead the team in scoring just with how James plays so that's part of it and look we're eight games in the season a lot of stats through eight games are pretty noisy and maybe not you know they're best taken with a grain of salt but Maxie's a really brilliant player who's just like on fire from the field full time now and it's like a 45 percent three-point shooter for some reason and he doesn't really miss around the rim very often. So you, you, you got to bring a lot of defenders at him sometimes. So I, I think it's a confluence of those separate factors. But Maxi's really good. It, it's probably just as simple as that.
1: Yeah. When Harden was out, he went back to the locker room tonight, and Maxi was their number one option. They were throwing double teams at him like crazy in the second half. But let's go. I was about to say,
0: and- they, Doc has been playing more maxi plus bench lineups, too. I've noticed that a lot uh, tonight as well.
1: Okay. All right. Let's get to a, a really hot topic right now. So I'm reading a tweet from Sham Sharanya uh, just recently, yesterday. He tweeted out the league's investigation. And we're talking about the Sixers being investigated for tampering or at least communicating with free agents before a specific time period, which is allowable. Said the league investigation found no wrongdoing in James Harden's near $15 million pay cut last summer. But findings showed that the 76ers made early free agency discussions with Daniel House Jr. and P.J. Tucker. The NBA has, as a result, taken away the Sixers' second-round picks in uh, 2023 and in 2024 for the early free agency discussions last season. So let's go to Chris first. What, what do you think about this penalty? Is it just right? Do you think they got away with something? Like, what are you thinking? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I don't think anyone's surprised to hear that Philly was in contact with the two Houston people early. I, I don't. I think that's like the least surprising yeah. news of all time. Absolutely. Um, I mean, frankly, we pretty much knew that they were in early conduct with PJ Tucker already. Um, so it, it's not very surprising. Two second round picks. Is, I guess one of like the harsher penalties in NBA history for this kind of thing, technically speaking, but like, it's not something that cripples the franchise. It's not something I'm going to lose much sleep over. It's not Didn't they take a,
0: a away a Miami first-round pick <laughs> and a Milwaukee first-round pick for their tampering stuff? I, I, th-
2: I think they were just second-round picks. But Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, like it's not that hard to buy another second-round pick and with how the draft goes, it's really not that big a deal. I would say getting those two guys is probably worth two second-round picks, if that's what it takes to get them. Mm-hmm. So is what it is. I, I really don't care that much about it, to be honest, and I, I don't think the Sixers are losing much sleep over it either.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have much to offer on that. Chris pretty much hit it on all, it. I don't think it was surprising. And I am glad to hear – that nothing came about with James Harden. That that could have been very bad if there was. That that could have resulted in uh, multiple first round picks being taken away, even though we don't have that many. Um. So yeah,
1: no. Um, and by the way, I just checked, Lucas. It was a second round pick for Chicago. Okay. And Miami.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no. I'm. Hey, look, it's gonna happen. Look, the Sixers just got more sloppy about it. I'm sure the Knicks will get a similar penalty this summer as well uh from this summer as well so we'll we'll have to wait and see on that but if we got one i'm sure they'll get one as long as they get in trouble that's all i really care about because like like no if we get in trouble they have to get in trouble for Jalen brunson like come on now that was more blatant than ours so
1: just a little bit his dad works for them right
0: yeah. You know, he got hired on right before they pursued him, you know, is that coaching
1: or, or is he coaching?
0: Him? Yeah. Well, he's coaching. one of the second bench row assistants.
1: All right. The final topic tonight, we're going to go across the league, but actually we're going to go straight to Brooklyn because uh, uh, there's some stuff going on up there that I am so glad that we do not have the drama that we've had in the past and they might actually have more drama than we've ever had. Well, at one no, time. I don't, know about, time, I don't least, know about that. At least at I... one time. If you spread it out the Sixers nobody messes with us. Like 6-7 year period of drama. But but let me introduce the topic and then we'll we'll go to Lucas first. So, uh let's see. So obviously Steve Nash was fired from yeah. the Brooklyn Nets and supposedly it was like both sides agreed to it, whatever. So my question to you Lucas With the head coach being fired, Kyrie Irving's controversial antics, Ben Simmons' injury issues, now he has a knee injury, Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant's unpredictable behavior, how bad are things about to get in Brooklyn?
0: Look, the Steve Nash uh, firing, first off, was a long time coming because as soon as Kyrie said that we don't need a coach, Steve Nash had no leg to stand on in that organization. So that's been a long time coming. Um, I'm glad Steve got out of there. That's not a good situation for any first-time head coach. Um, You know, once he has time to mentally, you know, recover from the trauma of, you know, coaching Kyrie, I hope that he goes out and gets another chance. Um, That being said, this is only the first move, Uriah. This has to be. Look, Kyrie had the whole entire anti-Semitism retweet and stuff. It just – it looks terrible like him and the team are donating some money now to, like, you know, the anti defamation organizations, but like, that's not enough. Like, Kyrie didn't even apologize for it. He doubled down when Nick Fidel was talking to him about it in an interview. Like, it was bad. So, Kyrie, Kyrie is toxic. The only team that will take him is a desperate team like the Lakers at this point. Yeah. Like, but that's not going to happen until they trade KD. But, and look, Here's the craziest part. The head coach that's most likely to take over for Steve Nash in the long run just got out of his own controversy in, in Boston with Ime Udoka. We still don't know the details of that. Mm. Like, it's on the surface with the reporting, it sounds, oh, well, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But obviously there was more to it that we don't know about that made it such a big deal that they're not even asking for compensation for him to leave. Like, that's that's the crazy part here, guys. So, look. First off, if Eme can resurrect his g- career in Brooklyn, he might be the best head coach of all time because that's a dumpster fire in Brooklyn right now. So if he can right the ship there, kudos. Because I know I couldn't do it. I know a lot of head coaches in the NBA, great head coaches in the NBA that couldn't fix that without getting rid of like all those players and starting over from scratch. And that's exactly what they might have to do. Look, Ben Simmons, he doesn't look like himself. He has no confidence. He needs to go to a small market like OKC where he can be in the sh- you know, shadows and nobody pays attention to what he's doing.
1: Chris would love him down there.
0: I'm sure he would. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, and like KD, I I fully suspect that he might get traded to a team like New Orleans or like one of those young up and coming, like Dallas might take a shot at him. Like, look, he's going to go to a young team that needs that veteran superstar to get them over the top. That's, that's what I see happening there. And, and of course, after KD gets traded, you got to go uh Westbrook for Kyrie and then you know they can do whatever they want with Westbrook afterwards but like my point being here is that this is a dumpster fire this is only the first move I feel bad for Steve Nash and like Kyrie Irving he might he might not be out of his prime before he's out of the NBA
1: all right Chris what are your thoughts how bad is it going to get in Brooklyn
2: yeah i mean there have been like a lot of terms thrown around the past few days like morally bankrupt soulless I mean, it kind of feels like they're selling their soul here to try to win a championship and it's just not going anywhere like the most charitable read on Kyrie is that he's a complete idiot and the more fair read <laughs> is that he's like a hateful bigoted person and yo actively spreading hateful bigoted stuff around the internet to millions wow. of people The most charitable read on Ime is that he sent crude remarks to a female staffer in Boston with, like you said, Lucas, there's a lot that we still don't know about that situation. Does not seem like he was good for the work environment there. The Celtics are letting a guy who just led them to the NBA finals go for no compensation, like Mm -hmm. you said, doesn't seem like the guy who you should be hiring as a head coach right now. And you know, there were tweets from Shams and everyone about Brooklyn doing their due diligence. They basically announced that they were hiring email like five minutes after Nash was fired. So yeah, we, pretty much. question the idea of that being due diligence. So yeah, it, it's pretty crappy stuff. Um, Brooklyn, really, I, you know, that's just not a team I would want to be rooting for right now. Uh, they have plenty of talent, and it's eight games into the year, and maybe they turn it around. And maybe Udoka is a really talented and capable head coach, but. You know, it remains to be seen if he's like a decent human being and the Kyrie stuff is bad and Durant didn't want to be there a month ago and Ben, like you said, is, is going through his own troubles right now. Like, it's just a pretty bad situation and they are not handling it the way I would want my team to handle the situation. So, it sucks. I, I, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I do want to, you're right. before you chime in, I do want to add one more thing. The only positive for Brooklyn N- fan, uh, Nets fans is this. At least you know your GM can start over from scratch and not have any draft picks and still rebuild the team. Because they did it in 2016 after the whole entire KG and uh, Paul Pierce fiasco. They missed out on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but they still were able to get back to a, you know 500 teams. So at least you know your GM is competent enough to be able to start over from scratch if they need to. Because all their picks are in Houston now.
1: Good points, both of you. The one thing I just want to say about the Brooklyn situation, as far as who they would replace Nash with, and I feel bad for Nash just like you do, Chris, or Lucas. No, I, I but, feel – I'm happy oh, you do? Nash
2: is still getting paid. Good for um, him. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: he's still – yeah, just because he got fired, he's still going to get paid, yeah. Plenty. I have no doubt
2: that it was mutual. I, I have no yeah. doubt that
0: Steve uh, – I'm sure Nash wanted to get out of there. With all the disrespect oh, yeah. that Kyrie's given him, like yeah. having practices after he ran practice – and then, like, at telling Nash at his own home to give back. Kobe, one of those MVPs.
1: Well, he has plenty of time to do his TikTok videos now. I love I love Nash as a player. Coach, not, not sure so much. But Ime Adoku, remember, he was on the bench as an assistant in Brooklyn. Yes. And from what I understand, the players really liked him. So mm-hmm. based on what he did with the team uh, to help the players and, and to earn trust with them, maybe they left, they're leaving that door open for him. But I think it would be a bad move just because – if things come out about how bad things were in Boston, it could really, really make that situation in Brooklyn go south even further and faster. I don't know if the the owner wants to really take it there, you know, take that risk for, for a coach. That Look, just had this is their last-ditch effort to –
0: yeah, well, you're right. Think about it like this. This is their last-ditch effort to get a championship. If they don't get it with EMA, then they have to the re- push the restart button.
1: You're you're right. I, like, I can
0: agree
2: cost? with that. Like, do you, yeah. At what, what cost? Look,
0: clearly goals? they've been putting up with Kyrie's bullcrap this long. If they didn't care about the cost, they wouldn't have. They they would have gotten rid of Kyrie a long time ago. Yeah. Listen. Like let me say one
1: the, more thing that, about. Let me say one more thing about Kyrie. I'm not even going to mention Ben Simmons because you know that's like beating a dead horse. But listen, Kyrie yeah. Irving is is the best dribbler. Uh, most fascinating. I guess, guard I've ever seen play. And I, I've mm-hmm. watched a lot of guards growing up. Isaiah Thomas was my favorite yeah. player of all time. But Kyrie, uh, he's just from another planet uh, with his handles. Uh, from what I understand, and I listened to The Mismatch with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Great podcast. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're were, fun to they they listen to. Yeah, they were describing instances where Kyrie was so uh, benevolent and, and just in tune with the fans down there and the community just – you know just being really nice to people but then he goes on social media and he and he you know supports these these documentaries that uh, are anti-semitic and it's like what are you doing man like some sometimes less is more sometimes when you have a platform it doesn't mean you always need to push your own agenda especially if it's full of hatred and i think chuck and Shaq last night they obliterated Kyrie, and deservedly so in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
0: look you know what? I would not put it past Kyrie, and I'm not saying that he did or didn't, but I would not put this past Kyrie. He saw the title of it, thought it was a good idea, and retweeted it without even think watching the clips or re, you know, see. I, you know
2: what? It could guy. have.
1: I,
0: I, I, it, I don't think, yeah, I think he, he not, believes I, the world's I, I flat, so I don't, don't
2: think he's smart that guy. smart. Wait, he's what'd you say? Clearly not a smart guy.
1: Yeah, he's not a smart guy. He thinks the world's flat. So, Chris, you think he he might have retweeted something he did not even really know about? You think he didn't well, I mean, know what he, he already was doing?
2: retweeted that Alex Jones video about the, yeah. that was blatantly anti-Semitic. This is not the first instance of him. To, maybe he hasn't like I, I don't know. I feel like Kyrie would, his probably has watched the movie. Honestly, I, we don't mm. know for sure, but it's
0: just it's crazy because he's Native American and he's so against the plight of, you know, Native American and obviously Black Lives Matter that he's so for those plights but he's not for the plate of the Jewish people. I don't, I, that's just something that I don't understand.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, he keeps throwing out that like free thinker BS and clearly he's just not as educated as he needs to be on certain issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kyrie has done good things and had ostensibly good opinions in the past, but that doesn't make up for the fact that he's actively spreading hate, like, Mm -hmm. you know, so, Absolutely. The bottom
1: line is all of us. We're all complex creatures. We're human. We all make mistakes, but not everybody has the platform that Kyrie has. Millions of followers. Mm-hmm. He's very impressionable. He has, he's in Hollywood, for for goodness sake, with his movies. Man, I before.
0: know so many kids in my school that love Kyrie for his handles.
1: Yeah. And I'm yeah, sure so you do, too, Uriah. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, yeah. Like I said, just because you have a platform doesn't mean you should always use it especially if you're not thinking clearly in terms of the consequences and the people that the message you purport actually affects. So I think that's yeah. it guys. This is, this is great for our second episode and, and Chris, you're going to take us out, man.
2: Yeah. As always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe and follow along. We are on YouTube, Google play, audible, Apple podcasts, Spotify, All that good stuff. You can also listen at our website, com. Give us five stars if you can on Apple and Spotify. Leave us a review. Let us know what you want us to talk about, what you think of the pod, etc. It would really help us out. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until next week, everyone, peace out. Go Sixers. Go Phillies. And we will be back soon to talk more Philly basketball.